Good morning, and welcome to New Life Church. Um, please stand as we worship this morning. And uh, as you stand, um, let, us, let us pray together. With you, gracious God, we move into this time of worship, grateful that you are never farther than the reach of our need and our prayer. You who tower over the universe,
Good morning and welcome to New Life. Um, I just want to say thank you to the band. I noticed how young they were. And, thank you. It is good to worship the Lord. It's good to watch the children worship the Lord. And I want to uh, welcome all the three to five-year-olds to come up. Come on up, and we're gonna, you're going to sit right here. And grades one to five, please come on up, and you're going to have a, a blessing. The leaders are welcome to come up, too. And if parents, you need to help your kids a little bit. Come on down, too, and please uh, help them. Um, I was at church a few weeks ago, and uh, there were some parents that came up here to... Um, make a promise to God to um, teach their children about Jesus. And what's a beautiful thing is that we were also asked, as the people sitting here, to also um, promise to take care of them. And one, one little way that we do that, I think, is every Sunday when we're asked, to, when we pray, we put up our hands, if we're comfortable, to, to bless them as well. And, um, and I think another way that we follow that promise is the leaders that are here and who are teaching. So I want to have a blessing uh, before the children go. If you're comfortable, please put up your hand to bless them. And children, I want you to look up at all these people. They are part of uh, your family. They're, this is a church community, even the ones that are just here for the first time. So they are here to bless you. And children, I know at my house, I ask my kids to close, fold their hands, close their eyes, and because we're talking to the creator God. So let's, let's close our eyes and let's fold our hands. Dear Father, we thank you for these dear children. Some of them were already up here worshiping, praising you with their flags and and um, I thank you for this opportunity that they have to go and learn more about you in your Bible and what, all the words that are in the Bible and the stories and to worship in their own uh, level. Thank you for the teachers, and I bless their time. We bless their time. Thank you, Father. Amen. So if you are three to five and going to Little Lights, you can go right out that door. In grades one to five, you can go right out that way. So good to see you this morning. And as they walk out, I just want to um, welcome you again, especially if you are a guest. Right in front of you may be a Connect card. Feel free to take that out and fill it out. It's our way of welcoming you. And if you bring it to the foyer, you uh, will be getting a gift just to welcome you, just for us to get to know you a little bit more. Um, if you are online, feel f we welcome you too. Feel free to uh, connect with us. Let us know who you are. Connect with the other people who are online as well. Um, I was, as I was thinking about that, it, does it feel like a long time ago that we were online or a short time? It feels like a long time ago that all of us were online. So I don't know what you were thinking about with time, but... One of my first announcements to say is the Christmas Craft Fair that's coming up this weekend, November 3 to 4. Um, it's going to be on Friday, 5 to 9. 
And on Saturday, uh, 9 to 12, it's going to be right here in the foyer by all, um, a lot of different vendors are going to be here, different vendors. They sell their handmade items. Um, and what I went here last year, I felt like it marked the beginning of the Christmas season. And it's so cozy in there. You get to meet other friends. You get to support others. And um, it makes you think of, it gives you an opportunity to buy all little gifts for all the people in your lives. I mean, think about how many people in your lives, like you could give to people who are hosting, making announcements, for example. They would, I'm sure there's so many people in your life that you could give to. And on top of that, 10% goes to the women's ministry in this church, which brings me to my next announcement, which is the women's retreat is coming up at Stillwood Camp. Um, just driving out there alone to see the nature is worth the drive. It's so beautiful. There's home-cooked meals, study sessions, worship, snacks, and community. You don't want to miss out. And... Um, if, um, I, I know I went last year, and I don't really mean to brag, but I think, Janessa, do you remember me winning the, um, the championship of the Frisbee golf? Or as I remember it, I scored the highest from the Frisbee golf game. You golfers would know that I'm not really bragging, right? Frisbee golf, highest score. Anyways, um, I hope that you can come. It's a beautiful weekend, November uh, 24 to 26. Um, Sam, Sue, and Laura, if you, uh, they are here to answer any questions if you, about the women's retreat. But also, uh, this Tuesday is the deadline. So I hope you can consider going to this uh, beautiful event for women. Um, and I was already talking about Christmas, and I'd love to invite you to the Christmas Day so that's, um, Christmas is Monday, and we're going to be singing Monday, uh, December 25, at 10. And if you're interested, there's going to be a short meeting next week, November 5, after church, in the kids' church, room 106. All levels of singing are uh, welcome. I think that means we have a lot of grace and accepting of all of this beautiful choir. Janessa Gritter over there is... Uh, uh, you can talk to her if you plan to attend the meeting. Now, um, my next name, Gala of Grace. Try to say that 10 times fast, Gala of Grace, Gala. It's a nice alliteration, but I'll tell you what it's about. Beautiful ministry, Joshua House Ministry. And this is going to be November 19 at the Clarion Hotel and Conference Center. Apparently, it has been super blessed as, t as far as table sponsors for almost all of their tables. Richard and Angie are here this morning to bless you all with free dinner tickets to this fun event. They will be um, in after the service or maybe during, the or during our fellowship time in the mission uh, boards in the foyer today. So please see them after the service for your free tickets. Um, the offering today is going to be for Esperanza. If you were here a little while ago, you may remember this beautiful team that was up here sharing their stories. Um, 
This is one of our mission partners. They seek to be a place of refuge during the storms of life, and they are located on the west coast of Vancouver Island. Every summer, we send a team from New Life to serve at this camp, um, helping with a variety of work projects. So you can give your offering your electronically in the ways listed on the screen, or bring it to one of the offering boxes that are over here on the stage. Um, so you can give your offering electronically in the, uh, the ways, uh, and uh, also please designate your full name and put in the memo line how you would like to, if you'd like to e-transfer or gift through New Life. So if, if it's not designated, then it will just go to the, it will go to the New Life general budget. Um, so at this time, before our fellowship time, I'd like to pray for our offering. So let's pray together for this uh, beautiful cause. Dear Father in heaven, we thank you for uh, Esperanza. We thank you for the many people and families that have uh, volunteered their time to make this place um, more beautiful, a place that uh, is honoring to you. And um, so we pray for this offering and for New Life offering, that it honors you with the beautiful resources you have given us. Amen. Um, at this time, we're now going to take our three-minute fellowship time. And during this time, we encourage you to meet someone new. Uh, you can give your offering during this time if you're bringing it to the front here. And if you need to have an icebreaker question, you can ask your neighbor, are you going to the Christmas craft fair? Okay, thank you.
everyone. Please take your seats. Don't worry, there'll be more conversation, more time for conversation after the service. Please, if you haven't already, find your seats and take a seat, please. I mean, if you haven't already uh, found out, New Life is a church that likes to gather that like to have conversations, that like to hang out and spend time with one another. Because we are a church that love one another. And, and we also want to continue to be a church that is hospitable and welcoming to those that are new amongst, in our community. And so, so during these fellowship times that we have every Sunday, really, if you haven't been doing so, and if you're kind of gotten comfortable around, kind of like, hey, I'm going to grab my coffee, or I'm just going to go to the washroom and grab a coffee and sit down, that's about three minutes. Maybe really try to make, you know, step out of your comfort zone and meet someone new. Because we're, we're going through this sermon series called At the Table. And it's about hospitality, after all. And hospitality begins with welcoming the stranger, right? For you, for all of us, actually, to step out of our comfort zone and to let someone into our lives. Someone new, someone strange, someone that's a stranger, someone that's an outsider, perhaps. Someone that's new. And so, during the three-minute fellowship time, I know we do it every Sunday, I would strongly encourage you to step out, especially during this series, to meet someone new if you haven't been doing that already. It's a beautiful day. Um, the sun is out. It's lovely. But the weather and the temperature has gotten so cold. And uh, as you can see, I've dressed for the weather. Um, but with the cold, cool down of temperature, of course, people are getting sick and, um, you know, flu and colds and whatnot. So let's take some time to pray for our congregation, congregation members that are traveling, that are sick. Um, that are homebound, who couldn't make it uh, to church in person. So let's spend some time in prayer. Father God, we come before you lifting up people in our congregation that are sick, that are homebound, that are suffering from colds and flus, as well as serious illnesses. God, we pray for your mercy to be upon them. We pray for your healing hands to be upon those that are sick. We thank you for those that have recovered, that have been healed, that have regained strength and have been restored in their health. We thank you, Lord, for your healing hands upon them. And we pray for more of it in our congregation, especially those that are homebound, bedridden. We pray, Lord, that your presence would be with them we also pray for those that are traveling. We pray for your protection over them. We pray for traveling mercies. And we pray that you would bring them home safely. God, in this world, there's so much conflict and division and tension. And every day in the news, we see this tension rising. And a lot of suffering and pain that's in this world. And we see that. And we pray, Lord, have mercy. We pray for the situation in Israel, Gaza. We pray for your mercy in that, in that land. God, we pray for peace. We pray especially for your mercy to be upon children that are suffering from this. We pray that you would be with the vulnerable, the elderly that are suffering from this. We pray for your mercy and your protection over them. 
God, as we enter into a time of dwelling in your word and hearing your word, we pray that by your spirit you would speak to us. Open our eyes, open our ears, open our heart to receive your word and give us the strength and the ability and boldness to live in accordance to your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. As I've mentioned previously, we've been going through the sermon series called At the Table. We're looking at various stories in the Gospel of Luke where Jesus has meals with different people. In the first week, we looked at the meal at Levi's, the ta- Levi, the tax collector's house, and how Jesus doesn't mind our messy tables. In the second week, we looked at the meal that Jesus had with Simon the Pharisee, where we looked at showmanship versus sacrifice in hospitality. Last week, we looked at a meal in the town of Bethsaida where Jesus fed more than 5,000 people with just five loaves of bread and two fish. Pastor Mike shared with us how, how God's power is at work in us no matter how little we might bring before him as we participate in his mission, which includes hospitality. The story we'll be looking at today takes place in Martha's house. Let's look at the story together. It's found in Luke chapter 10, verses 38 to 42. I'm reading from the NIV. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he had said, what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you're worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. This is a familiar story that's well-known amongst Christians. Now, quick question for you. What type of food would you prepare if you had Jesus and his disciples in your house? Did I hear chicken wings? (laughs) I mean, something kosher because he's Jewish, right? Let's begin with that. Right? Um, what would you make? What would you prepare? It's fun to imagine these things, right? If, if Jesus and his disciples, 13 total, just showed up in your house, what would you make? Now, having just read the story, you know it's a trick question. Because if you've answered something elaborate and fancy that takes a lot of time and effort, you're being just like Martha who had her priorities all wrong. The better answer could be something like toast. So you can sit at Jesus' feet to listen to his teaching. I guess nowadays, even with something elaborate, we could just pop it in the oven, and while that cooks, we can still sit at Jesus' feet. Thank God for ovens, right? And microwaves. And Now, whenever this sermon is preached, Martha usually gets a bad rap. 
But there are a couple things in the story that we can affirm Martha with. Especially given that our sermon series is on hospitality, there's a couple things that we could see Martha doing that demonstrates good hospitality. First, Martha welcomes Jesus and his disciples into her home. Martha opened her home to Jesus and his disciples. The Greek verb means to receive hospitably. The same verb is used in Luke 19 in the story of Zacchaeus, who received Jesus joyfully into his home. Also in Acts 17, where it speaks of Jason receiving Paul and Silas into his home. And also in James 2, where he talks about Rahab, the prostitute, receiving the two spies that Joshua sent to Jericho. In all these instances, it speaks of receiving as welcoming. Welcoming guests into one's home. But exercising hospitality is more than simply receiving people into our homes, is it not? As Gordon Smith, Christian scholar and the president of Ambrose University put it, part of being hospitable is knowing what it means to receive and accept the hospitality that is offered to us. He's saying part of hospitality is not only in the giving of it, but also in the receiving as well. In other words, exercising hospitality is done not only by welcoming and receiving people into our homes, but also by receiving others' offer of hospitality. As we've seen in the story we read today, not only does Martha receive Jesus, but Jesus also receives Martha's invitation. Though he came to to this world to, to serve, he's also served by others. While on earth, he depended on others' hospitality as he traveled from town to town with his disciples. This is also how the story of today's passage starts. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village, a certain village, where a woman named Martha invited them into her home. They were traveling. They were traveling when they were received and welcomed by Martha. Furthermore, when Jesus receives people's offer of hospitality, he doesn't pick and choose whose invitation he accepts. He's not invited by all, but when he is invited, he receives their hospitality. As we've already seen so far in our sermon series, he accepts the hospitality of Levi, the tax collector, someone whom Jewish people would never want to associate with. He receives the hospitality of Simon the Pharisee. And now he receives the hospitality of a woman. He received the offer of hospitality from all, and in doing so, he himself was being hospitable towards them. After all, the biblical concept of hospitality is to love. Biblical hospitality is a posture of the heart. This is why receiving guests into our home, as well as receiving the offer, offer of hospitality from others, can both be understood as hospitality because both could be lived out with the same posture of loving the stranger. What this also means, that hospitality goes beyond the walls of our homes. This is good news for the introverts as well as for the people who may not be in circumstances where you're able to invite people into your homes. For the introverts, inviting people into their home 
requires a lot of energy and planning and effort. And probably after people leave, they'd need a couple days, maybe even a week to recover and recoup all the energy that was spent in, in being hospitable and having people into their homes. For people who are in circumstances where you're not able to invite people into your homes, you might have wondered whether you could exercise or even wonder how you could exercise hospitality when, when you think of hospitality only in terms of, oh, I have to have people into my home. I have to invite people into my, my house. But hospitality, as, as Scripture defines it, as loving the stranger, that could be exercised whether you have a home or not because it's a posture that could be lived out not only in, in, in inviting and receiving people into our homes but also in receiving people's hospitality as well as just by simply being present with people. Remember that Jesus never had a home on earth. Yet he received all who came to him. He taught them. He healed them. He welcomed and received all who desired to be in his presence. Instead of getting people to come to his home, he met and received people where they were, at their homes, at their meal tables, outside on a hill, by the lake, and etc. This is how Jesus practiced hospitality as reception. And we're called to do the same in our homes and beyond the walls of our homes. Another way in which Martha exercised good hospitality is by way of serving. Once Martha received Jesus and his disciples into her home, she gets busy, preparing food for her guests. After all, it wasn't like they had made arrangements a week before saying that, okay, hey, Martha, just checking in letting you know that me and my crew are going to come through your town. We'd love to stay at your place. Can you prepare a meal for us? It's not like that. They were passing through, and Martha saw them and invited them into her home. And she, so, so that day, when, when she encountered them, she probably wasn't planning on having 13 guests that day. So it makes sense that she would get busy preparing something to serve her guests. The word Luke uses to describe what Martha was doing is diakonia. It's the same word from which we get the English word deacon and ministry. The word has the special quality of indicating service that is done very personally to another person or persons. As such, it's not just any kind of service, but a service that arises out of love for the other. It's a service of love rather than a service of duty. And because the word denotes a service of love, what Martha is doing is a good thing. It arises out of her love for Jesus and her guests. After all, this is the kind of service that Jesus expects in his followers. The Bible makes it clear that this is the kind of service that makes an individual a follower of Jesus. So it's a good thing that Martha is serving Jesus and his disciples in her home. Notice that she's not entertaining her guests. Contrary to what our culture might say, hospitality is not about entertaining guests. For Christians, hospitality is not about channeling our inner Martha, that is Martha Stewart, to impress our guests. It's not about impressing them by cooking an amazing meal or by showing only the good and presentable parts of our home and our lives 
that are only Instagram-worthy. No, we exercise hospitality by serving. And true hospitality as service is about willing to open up and share our lives with the other, allowing them into the good, yes, but also the bad and the ugly. As we seek to embody the love of Jesus with others, however imperfect that may be, we're inviting people in, and we we serve them. So it doesn't matter if you can't make the best soup and buns, or that you have an HGTV-worthy decor in your home, because true hospitality is a posture of love demonstrated in service of others. True hospitality is, is a posture of love demonstrated in service of others. Yes, making our homes a beautiful space that is warm and inviting is not a bad thing. But if that's all we're focused on, then we're missing the point of hospitality. As the author of the article, Is HGTV Harming Our Hospitality? says, HGTV, that's Home and Garden Television, for those of you who don't know, may inspire us to create outwardly beautiful spaces, but a welcoming atmosphere cannot be cultivated by aesthetics alone. It must begin with a posture of the heart, which sees our homes as not belonging to us, but to God, and meant to be used in service of His kingdom. Our homes as not belonging to us, not as some sort of asset that we can make money off of even, but a home that belongs to God, which is meant to be used in service of his kingdom. What if we began to see hospitality in the way Jesus lived out hospitality? Jesus said that he came to this world not to be served, but to serve. And his way of of serving was to give his reconciling us to God. We who weren't only estranged from God, but considered enemies to him, were reconciled to him as sons and daughters through the death of his son, Jesus Christ. While we were still sinners, Jesus died for us. And he calls his followers to do the same. He says, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Giving ourselves to serve as an act of hospitality is very different, as you can see, from simply entertaining guests as hospitality. The kind of hospitality that Jesus calls us to is the same kind of hospitality that he has demonstrated, which was to give his life in service to others. So so as you can see, hospitality is a good thing. And that's why we've chosen to preach a series on hospitality. It's a good thing. It's a biblical thing. And it's expected of us who follow Jesus to receive and love the stranger and to serve the stranger. But today's story also serves as a warning to us of the danger in hospitality. 
specifically that it could become a distraction. So let's read verses 40 to 41. It says, Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to Jesus and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you're worried and upset about many things. Going on on 42, few things are needed, or indeed only one. And we'll stop there. Distracted, worried, and upset. Despite all the good things that Martha has done in the story, these are the words that describes Martha. Distracted, worried, upset. Martha was distracted. The word used here means to have one's attention pulled away from one thing to another. So by use of this verb, the gospel writer Luke is saying that Martha's attention was pulled away by all the things she needed to do to serve her guests. Many of us who have had guests over into our homes know that there are, there are so many things to do in order to serve our guests, especially when it's a spur-of-the-moment invitation of opening up one's home to a group of people. In this case, 13 people. I mean, when you think about it, that's a small group. Imagine having your entire small group over to your house for lunch after church, and you have nothing prepared. Imagine how busy you might get in preparing something for that many people. And for Martha, it wasn't just an ordinary guest. It was Jesus, after all. He's an honored guest. And for her, she probably wanted to pull out all the stops in preparing a meal for him and his disciples. Jesus and his disciples were traveling, so she probably wanted to make sure that they were fed well. And because it's Jesus, she probably wanted to give him, his disciples, the best she could offer as a way of expressing her love for them. So she got busy. And it's understandable that her attention was directed by all the preparations she had to make to serve Jesus. But Luke uses a word that has a negative connotation. Her attention was pulled away. It was pulled away. She was distracted. From what? From Jesus. She was so focused on serving Jesus, she was distracted from Jesus himself. She was so focused on serving Jesus, she was distracted from Jesus himself. In other words, she was so focused on doing things for Jesus that she was distracted from Jesus. She was so focused on doing something for Jesus that she was distracted from him. And this led her to become worried and upset. Worried and upset are the words that Jesus uses to describe Martha's heart when she walks up to Jesus demanding that he speak to her sister Mary to come help in the kitchen. Clearly, Martha is overwhelmed and stressed because of all the things that she needs to do with so little time. Understandably, she's anxious. And the irony is that in trying to be hospitable, she became less hospitable to Jesus and to her sister Mary. In trying to be hospitable, she became less hospitable. 
When we become so busy and overwhelmed, even if they were good things being done for Jesus, we could become distracted from being with him. What this story teaches us is that even good things like offering hospitality could become a distraction leading to anxiety and frustration. If exercising hospitality is leading us to be so busy that we spend less time with Jesus and leads us to to not love our family members, then we're doing it wrong. And the major sign that we're doing it wrong is by examining our hearts. Is it filled with anxiety rather than joy? Is it filled with hurry rather than peace? When we're anxious and troubled, overwhelmed by all the things that we need to do for Jesus, we become less hospitable and therefore less loving. And it's often the closest ones around us that feel it, our spouses, our children, our siblings, and or our parents. I told you to clean that up. Guests are coming. Get rid of that. Come on. We have five minutes. Get a, clean it. Get dressed. Come on. Come on. Right? We, we, we've been there. Even beyond hospitality, we could be so focused on doing things for Jesus that we can be distracted from Jesus himself. We could be so busy with serving Jesus that we're pulled away from abiding in him, from simply sitting at his feet to be taught by him. Hospitality, though, though a good thing in and of itself, could become an idol leading us away from Jesus. You might be thinking, well, I mean, is, isn't idol too strong of a word? I don't think so. Because anything that takes our eyes off of Jesus, no matter how good they may be, they're an idol. When it takes so much of our attention to the point that we're pulled away from Jesus, it's an idol. It doesn't matter how good it is in and of itself. If it's pulling us away from Jesus, that's an idol. Even if it's doing things for Jesus. If that's pulling us away from Jesus, then that's an idol. How do we know we have idolized hospitality or doing things for Jesus? By examining our hearts. Is it bearing the fruit of the Spirit? Are we filled in our hearts with the fruit of the Spirit? Is our heart filled with love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control as we exercise hospitality, as we seek to do things for Jesus? Or is it filled with anxiety, worry? Is it absent of love? Out of her anxious and troubled heart, Martha does not treat Jesus and Mary well. By walking up to Jesus in a huff, and demanding in a rather passive-aggressive way that he speak to her sister Mary to come help in the kitchen, trying to triangulate Jesus to be in between her. And by putting Mary on the spot in front of all the guests, making her look bad, and trying to take her away from the better portion that she has chosen, Mary's not loving Jesus nor Mary. Martha is not loving Jesus nor Mary. And gently, Jesus reminds her, where her heart should be. Jesus reminds Martha gently where her heart should be. Jesus says that Mary has chosen the better portion. What is it? What is the better portion? It's to sit at the feet of Jesus. 
to abide in him and to hear him speak, to listen and learn from his teaching. Mary had an undivided attention on Jesus. Jesus is not interested in what we could do for him, but he's interested in us. He wants us. Just as he gave himself to us, he wants us to give him ourselves. Our undivided attention, rather than paying attention to what we could do for him, he's interested in our presence, not our presence. Jesus said in John 15 that apart from him, we can do nothing. But if we abide in him, and if we abide in him, we will bear much fruit. If we want our hospitality to bear fruit, we must first abide in Jesus. Yes, we can invite, we can cook meals, we can make people feel welcomed, but for what end except to extend and share the love of Jesus? And in order to share the love of Jesus, we must first abide in the love of Jesus. Therefore, our hospitality, first and foremost, begins with abiding in Christ and receiving the hospitality of Jesus. And out of that arises our ability to exercise the kind of hospitality that Jesus calls us to. It's out of abiding in Him that we're able to exercise the kind of hospitality where, as Rosaria Butterfield puts it, the stranger becomes our neighbor and by God's power becomes part of the family of God. The kind of hospitality where a stranger becomes our neighbor and by God's power becomes the family of God. This is the fruit we seek to bear through our hospitality. And it is my prayer that through the hospitality of new life, through the hospitality that we offer in and outside of our homes, that many strangers would become not only our neighbors, but by God's grace and power become the family of God. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for the gentle reminder that even good things, indeed good things that we, we seek to do for you in service to you, for your glory, can become a distraction from abiding in you. We can get so caught up with doing the right things or doing things for you that we lose sight of your presence in our lives. So, Father, as we seek to exercise hospitality, we pray that we pray by we pray that by, by your spirit that you would lead us, first of all, to abide in Jesus. Help us to live out our hospitality out of abiding in Christ. And out of that abiding in Christ, we pray that you would enable us to be more like Jesus as we offer hospitality. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
what a great reminder to know that exercising hospitality comes out of abiding in Jesus' love. So thank you once again for leading us in that song and reminding us. And may the words, may these words bless you and go with you as you leave this place, as you seek to abide in the love of Jesus, and as you seek to live out of that love hospitably towards others in and outside your homes. May these words bless you. So may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Jesus and as you abide in him so that you may overflow with hope and love by the power of the Holy Spirit.